Second Peter, the entire chapter, is talking about the false teachers, those that would deny uh, the truths of Scripture and lead others that way. <clears throat> number of weeks ago, I was looking through this and I landed on that clean escape and I haven't been able to shake it. Clean escape. What does that mean? Did you ever feel like you wanted to escape? Like many when, maybe when ROKs jump up to 70, 80, 90%, you know, it's a good time to escape. You ever thought, maybe you haven't, about escape? Anybody ever been in an escape room? Oh, wow. Did you win? How many of you won? Not all, not all the hands went up. Notice I didn't ask how many didn't. Okay. Escape. What is the difference between fleeing and escaping? They're similar. Sometimes we might use them synonymously. But there is a nuance of difference between them. Just to run away. To get away from something. Flee. Or escape. You know, reading historical books, you know, you get, you know, more into that idea of escaping. You're captured by the enemy. What would it take to escape? You know, in our, in our spiritual walk, it's right here. It's important to escape. And whatever this clean is, we need to clean escape. Now, it's, as I said, the majority of this chapter is really written regarding these that are seeking to hold others in bondage, really, with their false teaching, their false doctrine, their unbiblical philosophies. As you notice in verse 1 of chapter 2, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. There's very strong words in here in describing false teachers, the error that they present. But I really do want to focus on their victims, those that need to escape. I've titled this message, The Great Escape. Yours, mine, the need for it. You know, you'll never look for the escape. You'll never desire the escape unless you know that you're in bondage. Wow, I shouldn't be here. I don't think I belong here. <laughs> I'm in a POW camp. What am I doing here? This isn't what I trained for. Are you really part of the cause? Now, understand this. Are you really part of the cause of your army while you're in a POW camp? What are you doing for the cause in the POW camp? 
right? I don't belong here. I got to get out of here. I need to escape. And of course, history is full of stories of escape. In 1942, the Germans built an escape-proof camp. Is there such a thing? Don't answer that. And escape, they thought so. Escape-proof. About 100 miles south of Berlin and a little bit east, today it's actually crossed the border in Poland because the borders moved after World War II, they built a camp, brand new. This would be the escape-proof camp. They would actually bring prisoners here, mostly shot down airmen from the Allied air campaign, and they would bring them here, those that had already attempted escapes from other camps. Some were, you know, some POWs, whatever. I'm getting food, I'll just stay right here. I don't know. But others were just, you couldn't keep them in. You'd come out in the morning, they're outside again. What in the world? They captured them so many times, they would just take them to this new place. It was called Stalag Three. 60 acres, and they built this thing. It was perfect. They picked a spot. And on that spot, they had uh, three particular things that would make this place escape-proof. One, the soil. The soil on the top here was a grayish dirt on the top. But if you dug down just a few feet, not far at all, you would encounter yellowish sand. Do you know what it's like to dig a tunnel through sand? Yeah, okay, okay. That could be a problem. Not to mention, though, that you've got to do something with that sand that you've dug out. Okay, you've got to do something with it that's not going to be noticed. And uh, putting yellow on top of gray is probably going to get noticed pretty easily. So the Germans were pretty confident that we'll figure it out. If they're digging, we're going to figure it out. And the most common way of getting out of a POW camp was to dig. The second way, the second thing that they did to uh, just ensure that there'd be no escape from the infamous Stalag Three, was that they took the men's dorms and put them up two feet on stilts. I mean barracks. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> that way if the dorm soup came out, looked underneath, he'd be able to see what was going on. Right? You guys aren't digging holes. Are you? Hold up your fingernails. Let's take a look at them. Yeah, the, the, the barracks were up two feet off the ground on stilts so that it was easy just to look down and see anything going on down there. And then the third thing finally was that they went around the perimeter of the fence, around those 60 acres, which is sizable, and they dug down 10 feet and deposited listening devices down there, seismic microphones. And they were constantly listening. If you're digging, we're hearing it. We're going to keep you in. You need to be here. Eventually, there would be some 11,000 Allied airmen in that camp. Home sweet home. Escape proof, so they said. Do you know that for the United States Armed Services, there is an article of code of conduct? It was adopted in after World War II, actually after the Korean War by President Eisenhower as, a, uh, as an order given to our fighting forces. 
It says the code of conduct provides guidance for the behavior and actions of members of the armed forces of the United States. This guidance applies not only on the battlefield, but also in the event that the service member is captured and becomes prisoner of war. The code is delineated into six articles. Number one, I am an American fighting in the forces which guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense. Number two, I will never surrender of my own free will. If in command, I will never surrender the members of my command while they still, while they still have means to resist. Number three, if I am captured, I will continue to resist by all means available. I will make every effort to escape and aid others to escape. I will accept neither parole nor special favors from the enemy. Number four, if I become a prisoner of war, I will keep faith with my fellow prisoners. I will give no information or take part in any action which might be harmful to my comrades. If I am senior, I will take command. If not, I will obey the lawful orders of those appointed over me and will back them up in every way. Number five, when questioned, should I become a prisoner of war, I am required to give name, rank, serial number, and date of birth. I will evade answering further questions to the utmost of my ability. I will make no oral or written statements disloyal to my country and its allies or harmful to their cause. Number six, I will never forget that I am an American fighting for freedom, responsible for my actions, and dedicated to the principles which made my country free. I will trust in my God and in the United States of America. Wow, doesn't that give you a backbone? You suppose there could be a spiritual application to that somehow? What, because there's a cause. We have a cause. And how much greater is ours to not sit in bondage? What part of the cause can you be when you're a POW of the enemy? I want to look a little bit at this uh, passage, this chapter here about the escape, the great escape, the one that's needed. Let me just say right at the outset, I, the last few weeks that we have had Testimony Chapel have been a huge encouragement to me. I think they probably have been to you too. There have been young people right here among us that have stood and given testimony to what? Escape. I'm free. I'm free. Some area of their life, they recognize, finally. Maybe knew it for some time. I'm in bondage. I can't get loose. I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what's going on. There's a realization. The Holy Spirit will help us with it. I'm not free. This area, I'm not free. Christ died. He redeemed you. He saved you. He made you free at that point. But then somehow, I've been overcome by something. And I lack the faith to be delivered in this. 
And uh, God somehow has increased your faith. And you've responded somehow in a sense of humility already, I'm sure, before you ever got to Testimony Chapel. That's the point. I got to let you know how God worked in my heart. I got humble enough to accept what he has for me, that way of escape. And I'm free. And sometimes it hurts a little bit to get there, but do you know, to dig a tunnel, okay. You're not going to do that sitting in your hammock. So I just want to say that right off. There is a renewed sense of freedom among us. There's another word for that. It's called revival. But of course, there must be more. There has to be more. Well, I don't know. All right, let's find out. There are three things that will thwart your escape. They're mentioned here in the chapter. I want to look at just these things. And um, definitely they have to do with those that are trying to present to us error. And um, whatever, whoever's done that, certainly our flesh is on board with it. Now the error is probably just inside and you're having to deal with it. That false thinking is in there. All right, let's take a look here. Let's go back to verse 14. Speaking again of the false teachers, which Peter gives very strong words here, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Now, this is describing the false teachers. I want you to watch when all of a sudden he transitions to talking about those who need to escape. Notice, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. And heart they have exercised from covetous practices, cursed children. Did you see in there where Peter transitioned from talking about these wicked false teachers to their victims? Did you see it? Verse 14, beguiling unstable souls. You know what might thwart your escape? You might be stuck right there in your POW camp. Let's just stay right there. If you're vacillating, indecision, you can't make up your mind. You're riding the fence on something. Can we put it this way? I would think that you would agree with me that those that have stood over the last few weeks, raised their hand. By the way, do you love it when your hand goes up during testimony chapel? I think that's what Jesus was saying. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. Is that an offensive hand? What are you doing up in the air? Oh, wow. Now I've got to stand up and say something. Okay? You raise your hand, and, uh, and by that time, are you escaping or have you already escaped? Probably you're on the outside. I'm on the outside. I want to tell you all what it's like out here. That's good. I'm in the trees. By the way, when you get to the tree line, is that it? Put up your hammock right there? Is that good enough? You know better than that. Yeah, you all that have read all these World War II whatever. See, I've never read one. I just know. Don't stay there. Right? Do they have dogs? German shepherds. Yeah, big dogs. Oh, here they come. Wow. On your trail. Right? The enemy coming for you? Keep moving. Right? It's good. Got to move. I'm on the outside. Raise your hand. You're standing. You say, hey, i got to tell everybody about what it's like on the outside. It's good. 
Yeah. Just came through the tunnel. I'm out. I'm free. That's good. No longer vacillating. That's a person who made up their mind. You know what? I can't do this anymore. This has got to stop. Maybe you're thinking of something right now. I don't know what it is. The Holy Spirit does. You know that thing right there? That's got to go. You'll never get through the tunnel with that. that. That thing that you got. You'll never make it through. Tunnels were not that big. You got to go alone. There's some stuff that has to go. You need to lay aside every weight. There's indecision. Go with me to First um, Kings chapter 18. We'll come right back again. So maybe mark your place. I've got to take you to a spot here. Because this just, uh, this little story here, something that happened, First Kings chapter 18. <clears throat> this is something that happened on the top of Mount Carmel. Wonder what happened up there. Lo and behold. You probably know, don't you? Do you know? Yeah, of course you know. But you've got to see it. You've got you to read the very words that it is. Look what, look what Elijah is going to point out. Look at verse 20. It says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Now notice what Elijah says. Notice very carefully, word for word. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long? How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. Now this is stunning. And, but if Baal, then follow him. Really? You know what he's saying? Make up your mind. Make it up. He said, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to make up our minds. We're going to get this done. Do you know how long you've been in indecision? How long? At least three and a half years. Right? Look around. Is there anything green growing anywhere? No. You know why? Indecision. Does your life feel like that? Sometimes it's barren. wonder if it has anything to do with indecision. I don't know. Look what he said. How long halt ye between two opinions? How long? How long is this going to go on? How long the wilderness? How long? And of course, it did have to do with them joining with error, didn't it? Just like 2 Peter was talking about. You guys have fallen into error because you haven't made up your minds. But this is very interesting. If Baal be God... Did Elijah say that? Doesn't he know better than that? Did, he knew better than that. So why didn't he just say, you know, let's follow God today. Why don't we? Let's do that. How about we just do this God thing and forget about Baal? But that's not what he said. You know what he said? Make up your mind. You know what? I'm going to help you today. Make up your mind. Did he help him? Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Did they get their minds made up that day? Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh, but you got to see this, though, before we go back to 2 Peter. Verse 22, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. 
Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. Call you on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. <laughs> that's faith. Oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, that's what we're going to do. And all the people answered and said, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, that'll work. Right? Yeah, let's go with that. Why? Because they were sure that it was God who's going to send fire down? No. They're still halting between... But what does that mean, to halt between two? Well, it's the indecision that we saw in chapter 2 of Second Peter, but it's explained here, right here. Look. 25, and Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you out one bullet for yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many, and call in the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning, even until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us! But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they, what's the word? And they leaped. You know what that looks like? Right? It's English. Not hard. You've done it. Leaped. What'd they do? Leaped on what? They got up there. Wow, that was funny. Look at them, look at them now. They're getting closer to their God. They're getting up there. I say, you can see them. They're leaping on the altar. Boing, boing, boing. Do you know the Hebrew actually means hop, skip, and a jump? Bing, bong, that's what they're doing on top of the altar. Now, here's what you didn't know. That Hebrew word leaped is the same Hebrew word halt. Same word. How long halt ye between two opinions? How long, young person, are you going to leap back and forth? How long? Oh, I'm in. I think I got it. I'm back out again. I'm dark. Is that really what freedom looks like? Are you still in bondage? I suppose sometimes in a side of POW camp over 60 acres, it felt pretty good. Look at that. Look at the birds. They flew in. They flew out again. Ah, they're gone. That's ah, pretty good in here. And other times you're looking right at the barbed wire fence. I don't think I probably ought to go over there. Touch that wire. Look at those guys up in there. Look what he's pointing at me. I'm still inside, aren't I? 60 acres is a lot of room. There's more room outside. Sometimes it seems like freedom inside, but it's not. It's deceitful. How long? How long, young person? How long? How long? Do you know how close we are to going home? Or whatever you're going to do for the summer? You know how close? The men know, stay after tomorrow. Isn't it, guys? That's what it's going to seem like. We're going to be right back in here again, and we're going to be going, what in the world just happened the last three weeks? We're all going home. How long? You going to take this home with you? What's going to happen if you go home and you're still looking at the fence from the inside? The barbed wire. 
in that area, but you don't have that victory. You haven't joined these others that are saying, you know what, it looks good on the outside. There's something I need to take care of. There's something I know I've got to do. I need to talk to somebody. I need to get something right. I need to get rid of something for once and for all. It's got to go. Mr. Costa stood yesterday. It looks good out here. I finally got with the program. I, free. I'm free. And some of you ought to get free. You ought, to, you ought to go to somebody and give them your heart. You say, well, I can't help you. Maybe it's because they don't know you. Maybe that's the freedom you need. What is it? How long halt ye between two opinions? Vacillating, inconsistent, fluctuating, unsteady, fence straddling. It's going to thwart your escape. Indecision. Beguiling, unstable souls. Number two. Look down again at verse 18. We're back in 2 Peter chapter 2. For when they, we'll read it again, we've already read it a couple times, for when they, the false teachers, those that are presenting error, unbiblical philosophies, and they've caught, there they are, great swelling words of vanity, they allure, that word allure is the same word up above, beguiling, unstable souls, allure. They're hoping to beguile you this time through the lust of the flesh, through the lust of the flesh. You know the second thing that's going to thwart your escape is impurity. Impurity. I'm not just talking about moral impurity. There's a variety of impurities, but that definitely would be one. That's going to thwart your escape. You're not going to get out. You're inside. You might even have freedom in some areas of your life. Well, I don't know. What's that mean? What's that called? Like work release on the weekends? German guards, I'll go out, work, I'll be back. I'll be back. Well, okay, well, we'll be right here to let you back in again. Okay. Home sweet home. Really? Is that freedom? Because you've got victory in some areas, but not in everything? Are you pure? Or are you contaminated, polluted in some area, which makes you susceptible to being tempted? And falling to future temptations. They allure through the lusts of the flesh. 1 John chapter 2, you know the verses. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Do you know if that were true in our lives? Well, then the lust of the flesh would have no draw to us. Like we'd know it, we'd see it. Like, I know what that is. I don't need that. That's not what I need. I'm not living there. You know why? Because I'm on the outside looking in. You know what? They're on the inside looking out, trying to keep you in there. No, I'm outside now. I'm free. Okay, 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 okay. How do I get free? Go to John 8. I did this with my homiletics class just to... I love John 8. I, I just... There's just some verses in John 8 that I have just really, they're so simple, and it's just this. It, it really is this. It's the answer. Like, how do I dig the tunnel? How do, I, what, how do we do this? John chapter 8. Look at, um, 
Jesus is having an extended conversation with a crowd of people, most of whom just don't like him. Verse 28, then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Now, he's obviously claiming deity here. They get that. Most of them are very angry about that, and they're going to be angry about that all the way through the chapter. But some of them are getting it. Verse 29, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. You know what that means? They're getting saved. But that's good. Verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Now you've got to understand he's not talking to the crowd anymore. He's talking to the baby Christians. That's what the Holy Spirit just told us through inspiration. Jesus now had a few words of instruction to these baby Christians. How long have they been saved? How long? How long? Yeah, it's right now. And he says, you know what? First lesson of discipleship. Here we go. You guys want to be discipled? Yeah, okay, we're going to do it right now. The rest of you, he puts everybody else on hold. If somebody else said, what are you... I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to... And he was the only one who would know who they were. Does he know? Does he know? Yeah, he just saved them. You know, like the woman that touches garment. Power goes out for me. I know who you are. The disciples are going, everybody's touching on you. Oh, no, 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 no. I know this one. He knows these. And he has the first lesson of discipleship. You know what it is? The great escape. You want to stay on the outside? Honestly, you're on the outside of the camp looking in now. You want to stay out there? Here it is. It's right here. If you want to stay on the outside of the camp, you ever seen a Christian back inside the camp again looking at the barbed wire from the inside? Yeah. You want to stay on the outside? If ye continue in my word, then. Then are you my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will, what's it say? Set you free? I love this. Do you know this is one of the most often, most often misquoted verses in the Bible? Set. It doesn't say set. It doesn't say set. It says make. All this is huge. Is there a difference between set and make? You know what the difference is? If you're set free, you're on the outside of the camp, but you belong inside. But I'm out. Right. But you could be back in. But if you are, you are free. If you're made free, who are you? I'm free. You know what that means? Here's what it means. That you're on the outside of the camp, you can go back inside the camp, but you don't belong there which means you can minister to others who are inside the camp, but you don't live there. If all your life, all you're doing is trying to stay out of the... I'm just trying to stay away from it. How are you going to minister to the people who are in there? That was in here, by the way. It was the United States government. 1955. 
If I am captured, Article 3, if I am captured, I will continue to resist by all means available. I will make every effort to escape and aid others to escape. How are you going to aid others if you're on the run? Oh, I hope I never fall into that again. I just, I think I hear the dogs. The dogs are coming. German shepherds, they're big ones, little ones. Okay. But they can hurt. They can nip. I'm telling you, I can hurt. And you're on the run. Why don't you be a preacher about the things that you used to be caught by? That'll do it. And I don't mean a hypocritical way. I'm saying you're taking up the cause. I'm on the outside. You're now at the gate of that prison knocking on it. Not because you belong there. Can I have my bed back? No. You're not sleeping there. I don't belong there. I minister here now. I'm coming in. I'm going to minister to these people and help them dig their way out of this place. And then I'm out. On, I'm out. You've got the credentials. You can come and go as you please. You can help others get out. You're not afraid anymore of bondage. You're free. You shall know the truth. What is, what is the point of John chapter 8? If you continue in my word. Well, what does that mean? Well, what's his word? This isn't hard. Do it. Do it. You know every area? Every area that we are in defeat in, in bondage, every area, we are not doing something that it tells us to do. Guaranteed. I, I guarantee it. Based on John 8, I guarantee it. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're, you'll be made free. He's not lying. He wasn't kidding. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, honor thy father and thy mother, and you don't do that, what do you expect? You're going to be looking at the barbed wire from the inside. When's the last time you talked with your folks? When's the last time you gave your heart to them? When's the last time you shared what they need to know? They should know you. They should know you better than anybody knows you. Those verses will make you free. And there's so many more. That's just one example. Are you susceptible to the allurement of the lust of the flesh? You will be made free from error, free from bondage by following the word of God. Number three, lack of discernment. Verse 19, 1 Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19. While they promise them liberty, while they promise, false prophets promise liberty, if you'll go my way, believe what I tell you, you will have liberty. But wait a minute. These guys are Nazis. They're inside the camp. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, just follow me. Do you know in Stalag 3, they had a band. They had an orchestra. Sounds like fun. They had a well-equipped library, schooling facilities. You could earn degrees, college degrees, inside Stalag III. The Red Cross brought the exams. There were PhDs that had been shot down. They were proctoring the exams, teaching the classes. 
You could get college degrees. And the, tra the credits transferred after the war. They were recognized in the prisoner war camp. They earned degrees in languages, engineering, and law. Prisoners also built a theater, put on high-quality performances every other week. There were 11,000 inmates. Prisoners used the camp amplifier to broadcast news and music radio station program. Also published two newspapers, which were issued four times a week. Prisoners participated in basketball, softball, boxing, touch, football, volleyball, table tennis, and fencing, with leagues organized for most of them. There was a swimming pool. I think I just signed some of you up. <laughs> Why do you think the Germans did that? Why do you think they allowed that or set that all up? Why? Home sweet home. Don't you know that's what the world's doing to you? It's home. You're feeling kind of home. In March of 1943, the camp was about a year old. The population was growing. A British officer came to the British commanding officer in the, in the camp and presented an idea of escape. Stalag three, escape-proof camp. He presented a, a plan, he had it all worked out, he had thought it through, and the plan was, normally when you have an escape from a Stalag, you'd end up with one or two or three, maybe as many as 20 escaping at one time. His plan, 220 men. They're going out, 220 men. The British officer in command put his stamp of approval on it, let's get to work. 600 of the 11,000 would end up working on those tunnels. 600 of the 11,000. Worked on them for a year. In a year's time, they dug. One of those tunnels they dug would be the one that would be used in the escape attempt and it would be over 300 feet long. Then one night, March of 1944, March 24th, was the night they're going out. So they had to travel through a tunnel two feet wide by two feet tall. Are you still in? Yeah, you're really in. Like, I'm playing volleyball. I'm fine. I'm good. Two feet by two feet and more than the distance of a football field in the dark. They popped up the other side, the first guy out of the hole that night, looked and realized that the tunnel was 20 feet short of the woods. Nevertheless, they continued, and that would really, uh, though, hold them up and slow them down, and eventually at 4 o'clock in the morning, a guard outside the fence did discover that hole. Of the 220, 76 men were able to get out. Still a massive undertaking. But now the alarm was sounded long before they hoped that the Germans would take notice. And within the next several days, Adolf Hitler, so angry, mobilized over 100,000 troops to look for 76 men. Don't you think Satan's going to come looking for you?
this summer. Don't you think he's going to be on your heels? He can't let one have victory. Why, if that get, news gets out, then others are going to try it. Right. That's kind of the point. That's kind of the point of our Monday meetings in here when somebody says, look, here's my hand. I'm on the outside. It works. Satan's coming after you. And over those next days, they began to get caught. 73 of the 76 would be caught and brought back. Three men would make it to freedom. Three. Wow, that's a terrible story. Why did I use that illustration? But you are more than conquerors through Christ. You don't have to get caught. You've been made free. They could bring you back to the camp. You've got credentials. You want me to go back in there? I'll go in there. I'm just going to show them how to get out. Oh, well, don't come back in. That's right. That's what a preacher does. That's what a discipler does. I want to tell you what's happened in my life, how God's freed me up. Young person, are you still in bondage in some area? You know, to try to play like you're on the outside in that area, you still got that thing, that's hypocritical. That's dark. That's not going to help anybody. Freedom. All you can hope to do is have some prisoner in the camp come over and stand beside you so that we can look together at the inside of the barbed wire and call it freedom. You've got to be on the outside. It is sure the freedom that Jesus is offering you. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free.